0: Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for his glory. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a great long weekend. My name's Joshua Ellis, and uh, my family and I are joining with you online this morning via the live stream, as we can't be in the service today. Uh, It's my privilege to bring you the Bible reading. Uh, What we're reading this morning is a message uh, in Romans 8, 14 to 17. So Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we have God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Josh, it's great to have our online community watching and participating in the service as well. Well, it's good to be here, as I said before, and uh, I think we're a little bit rusty being up the front today. We haven't done this for a year, and it's a little bit different looking at a screen than it is looking at everyone else. And so um, I've got this thing on today. I don't usually like these things, but I'm doing it for the live stream people. So you should be very grateful. shows how much I love you, because I don't really look like, I don't like looking like Britney Spears. I usually like the lapel. And so this is a new thing that we're doing. So I'm a bit rusty, but bear with me today. Today... Uh, It's just great to be back together. And for most of you, if you're a regular follower, you know that each year we have a theme that we uh, go through for the year to come. Something that God's laid on our heart as a leadership team that we think is important as we move forward together as a community. And this year, I want to announce the theme. Are you ready? Three people are ready. That's great. Okay. For the rest of you, drum roll. The theme for 2021 is a new thing, a new thing. Um, which is really exciting. So it's up on the screen there. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 to 19, which says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I love one of the things I love about God is that He's always doing a new thing, right? God's always at work, even in a pandemic, God is working below the surface and He's doing things that sometimes we can see and sometimes we can't see. And it's one of the things I love about God is that He's never on you know, leave. He's not an annual leave. He's always at work doing stuff. And so we have an expectation that God's going to do new things this year. And, you know, a lot of churches are just gathering together for the first time in a long time right now. And I think a lot of people are kind of seeing it like a time machine. It's like they jumped in a time machine, they're going back to 2019, and they're just expecting what it was like in 2019. But the reality is a lot's changed in the last 12 months, right? We've changed in the last 12 months And so it's really important that we're not dwelling in the past or harking back to what things used to look like, because you just have to look around the room to see that they look different, right? The most important thing is that we're seeking God on what He's doing right now and what He's got for us as we move forward. And so we want to be a church that obediently listens to what God's saying and then step into that future with boldness and confidence, And so as part of that, late last year and early this year, we went through a reimagination process at Follow with about 20 men and women, um, various ages and stages. And really we came together because we saw this as a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really reflect on what's gone well in the first five years and what areas have we got that we need to grow in as we move forward as a community. And so as part of those discussions, we had about 10 sessions And as part of those discussions, one of the things that that really resonated with me, and was probably the thing I really grabbed onto the most, is this idea of spiritual family. What does it take to be a spiritual family and to go deeper as the family of God? Because Scripture makes it clear that's what we're meant to be. And so the title of my message today is, We Are Family. Family. Now you know, don't you, with a sermon title like that, I'm going to break into song, right? You, you expect that? You know the song, right? Well, surprise, it's a new thing. So I'm not going to break into song today. We're going to break into song today, all right? This is a new thing. This is a new day. And so if you are you know, an old school Baptist person, you'll be familiar with the idea of a round, you know, around is where one half of the room sings one thing and the other half sings the other thing. So I hope today you brought your singing voices. I heard you before, you're sounding pretty good. And so we're going to sing this together, all right? So we're going to say uh, from here over this way, this is beautiful woman here, what's your name? Kim, Yes, yeah, she's the most beautiful one I've ever seen right there. Don't freak out, it's my wife, all right? So... From Kim and that way, you're the first side. And then from uh, Beck over here, you're a beautiful woman as well, Beck. From Beck that way, you're going to be the other side, all right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song. You know, we are family, I've got all my sisters with me, right? And then we're going to say, we are family, I've got all my brothers with me. And so we're going to start with this side. And so you're going to practice first. Don't let me down, all right? This is live stream. This is your moment. It's like Justin Bieber when he went live on YouTube and he's an international hit. This is your moment, okay? So we're going to start and you're going to sing We Are Family, okay? So have a a practice. One, two, three. We are family. It's okay. I reckon you guys can do a lot better, right? I've got my sisters with me. Yeah. No, no, they're going to say, I've got all my sisters with me, all right? So you've done We Are Family. Okay, so you ready? One, two, three. That's pretty good, okay. The second time round, you're going to say, we are family. We are family. And now you are going to say, I've got all my brothers with me. It's pretty complicated, I know, but I reckon you guys can get it. On the count of three, three, two, one. I've got all my brothers with me. Okay, very good. Now, people don't want to hear my voice, so we've got the band here that will hopefully drown me out. I've always wanted to be a conductor, so I'm going to do that today. So we're starting, right? So we are family. I've got all my sisters with me. We are family. I've got all my brothers with me. All right? This is your moment to shine. All right, let's get into it. You can get your okay. Awesome, give yourselves a round of applause. That was like this much corny and like this much cool, but it was a little bit cool, so well done. Uh, let's close in prayer, you got it. Well, no, okay. Wouldn't, it be that, wouldn't that be good if we could just say, We are family, and we all just got it, and from this point forward, we just experienced the kind of spiritual family we want to be part of? Where, you know, I love Acts chapter 2, where you see that early church, and they're gathering together daily in the temple, and they're meeting in homes, and they're breaking bread, and they're caring for one another, and they're generous towards one another. There's a need, and, and they're just falling over each other to meet the need of of what people are going through and they're sharing and there's just this sense of joy and we look at that and we go wow what a spiritual family and wouldn't it be good if we could just say we are family sing a corny song and we just experience that kind of transformational family wouldn't that be wonderful but the truth is all of you are in families and you know that family doesn't just happen It takes every member contributing to experience healthy family dynamics. Now, one of the things we identified in our reimagination process, and this will be no surprise to most of you today, is that the majority of the time, the feedback we get, probably about 95% of the feedback we get, is that Follow is a warm and welcoming church. Isn't that wonderful feedback to get? It's great that people come in here and they... You know, Finally get the courage to walk in the door and they come in and they find that they are embraced with the love of Jesus Christ. And I always wonder if people can't be welcome in a church, where do they go next? And so it's so important. We don't know what people are going through. When they walk in the door of our church, we want to make sure that they feel and experience the embrace and love of Jesus Christ. And we have been, our church has been relatively good at that. And we can pat ourselves on the back and say, well done. But you know what happens the moment you pat yourself on your back? You forget your water bottle. That's not what I was going to say. But what happens when you pat yourself on the back and you think we're good at that? The moment you think that, you're no longer good at it. Because the truth is, we're only as good as the last interaction we've had with people. And so today, like every other time we gather, there should be nobody after this service who feels unseen, unwelcomed, or alone, which means that some of us regulars need to get outside of our our regular circle of friends and try and identify led by the Holy Spirit who is here today that we don't know, that we haven't met before, that looks alone and then embrace them into this family of believers. So important we do that. We've talked about that every single day since we started Follow. We've talked about being the most welcoming church on the planet. Now in the reimagination team, I love that term because I made it up, right? But in the reimagination team, a lot of people say, we don't like it. Okay, so we're not saying that anymore. We're going to say we are a church where everyone is welcome, right? I don't really get the difference in language, but that's what we're doing. So we want to be a church where everyone is welcome and embraced. We also need to bear in mind... That life's a little bit different at the moment. Uh, With reduced numbers in the room today, not everyone could be here. And so the love needs to extend beyond this room to people that are watching live stream today. If there's someone here you're missing, someone here you notice hasn't been able to make it, then then reach out to them. And if you're watching on live stream and there's people here that you haven't connected with, maybe someone you know who's going through a hard time, reach out this week because that's all part of our welcome. And so we identified that we are a warm and welcoming church and that's a wonderful thing. But we also identified it's actually the next level down where we've got an opportunity to grow. And what I've been wrestling with over the last few months is this. How do we help new friends become part of the follow family? So how do we help them shift from being new friends to becoming part of the follow family? Now, as Pete said today so well, uh, life groups is a really big part of that. And so we're really encouraging every single person to be involved in a life group and to make that a priority because they are the places where you are known. It's a place where you really get to know people. Life groups are the place where you're going to get the best care because you're journeying with people week after week through the highs, the highs. And through the lows. Life groups are the place where we do sharpen one another, a place where we grow as disciples of Jesus, which is our mandate, isn't it? We're meant to be growing as disciples. I shouldn't be the same Luke Williams this time next year than I am this morning. You shouldn't be the same you this time next year than you are right now. And so, in order to grow, obviously, we need connection with God, but we need to connect with one another. And so, life groups are the place where we come around the word. We come around prayer. We keep each other accountable and we journey together. And so life groups are critical. And I can't encourage you strongly enough to shift your priorities, to change your schedule, to do whatever it takes to join a life group in 2021. And we're going to need more and more of them. So if you feel like you're ready to lead, then as Pete said, come and see us. Because we need more and more groups to accommodate everyone to be in a group. I love what Pete said before about the way we're changing our mindset. And the way I'm saying it is that the life group becomes your spiritual family. But when you gather on a weekend, you gather with your extended spiritual family for worship. And so that's the way we've got to see it. Rather than seeing church as something we do for an hour on a weekend, church is the people of God, right? Wherever we gather. And so as we gather together and we do life together, that's that's life. But then we come together to worship on a weekend. And so it's really important. Life groups are important. But I want to say this morning... They're only one part of the way that we grow as a family of believers here at Follow. And in order to become family, I think we need to understand spiritually and theologically what happens when we're reconciled to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've just had a year of pandemic caused by a virus like we've never really seen before and it's locked us down and it's shut us out from relationship on so many levels. And I've heard many people say, you know, coronavirus is the worst virus we've ever seen. And it is true that coronavirus has impacted the world in significant ways. But let's not kid ourselves about it being the worst virus ever. The worst virus the world has ever seen is the virus of sin. Sin is the virus that has gripped hold of all of us. It's the worst virus ever inflicted on the human race. Sin is all the things we do wrong that displease God and shut us off from what He's designed for a good and flourishing world. And the truth is, we've all contracted and all contributed to this virus of sin. Romans chapter 3 says that, um, I've got my points here, but for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I want you to notice the word all there. It doesn't say. All of us have sinned except Mother Teresa, Billy Graham and me. No, it says all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, no matter how good or bad we believe we've been, we all fall short of God's perfect standard and all the things we do wrong pile up to form like an impenetrable wall between us and a God who is holy and perfect. We fall short of His standard. And the bad news is this, there is nothing we can do in our strength to remove that impenetrable wall and come back into a relationship with a God who designed us for relationship with Him. Nothing we can do at all. And that's what we deserve for our sin. But the good news of the gospel is this that we have a God who is love. A God who loves us so much. He didn't sit back and go, oh, well, too bad. You blew it, baby. You've missed out. No, no, no. He didn't. He did something about it, he did something extraordinary. Out of his incredible love, despite the fact we didn't deserve it, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to reconcile us back to relationship with him. Most of us will be familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. A lot of Christians need to hear that bit. But to save the world through him. What an incredible thing. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so on the cross, Jesus, God in human form, is absorbing all of our sin upon Himself and all of our shortcomings upon Himself. And as He stretches out His hands, He declares, It is finished. In other words, the price for every sin we've ever committed, every sin we're committing right now, every sin we'll commit in the future, has been absorbed by Jesus Christ on the cross. And when we accept what he did for us, that sin is taken from us, it's placed on Jesus, and he says it's finished. And so you and I now, instead of being declared guilty because that's what we are, we're now declared innocent because our price has been paid. Isn't that glorious? That is the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news of the gospel. The gospel simply means good news, and I think that's an understatement. It's life-changing news. It's exceptional news. And it's good news for every individual here this morning who's put their faith in Jesus. But I want to say it's good news for more than us just as individuals. It's good news for us together. You know, When I look at Christianity, particularly in the Western world, it seems like it's become a very individualistic faith. Now, Christianity is just, it's just me and Jesus, just our little thing out here on our own. and It's just this little special connection with me and Jesus. But the truth of it is, we know from the very start of the Bible that we're actually created for relationship. Now, we're created in the image of God. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect relationship. He creates us in His image. In other words, we're created for relationship with Him, but we're also created for relationship with one another. It's important that we see it that way. You know, Jesus' death on the cross was, of course, to bring us into relationship with him. But it's also to bring us into a new relationship with one another. The cross has a vertical and it has a horizontal dimension to it. And the language used in Scripture has many terms that make it clear that we are family. Like we sang this morning. The Bible says that we're a household of God. I know Steve uh, alluded to Ephesians chapter 2 where it talks about us being a household of God. We're called the family of believers. We're called children of God. We're called brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've got to ask the question this morning. I want you to honestly reflect on it. This is a moment of honesty. Do you see it that way? Do you see this as a gathering of people Or do you see this as the family of God? Because I think if we see church as an event, it can be easily something that becomes ritualistic, that we tick off our to-do list once a week, and we say, hi, bye, see you next week, go through our week, come back, press repeat next week. But if we see the people in this room as family, I really believe that changes everything. This week I went to the supermarket and wanted down to get some food and some supplies and I spent about half an hour in there walking around and I saw a bunch of people there that I didn't really know. I know they're from my local community because they're shopping there, right? But I don't really know them. We're there together for the same purpose and that is to get some stuff for ourselves and get out of there and get home again. But when I arrived home from the supermarket and I walked into our house, it was completely different. I walked in because I walked into family. My wife and my kids were there, um, when we gather at our own personal home, or when we gather at my parents' house with my brothers and their kids and all that, it's a completely different feeling. It's a place where we belong. It's a place where we care for one another. It's a place where we connect. It's a place where we meet one another's needs. It's a place where we celebrate milestones and go through the difficulties of life. and it's a place where we all belong. We're all unique, we're all different, but we're valued and loved. And as I thought about my two experiences, the supermarket and the family home, I wondered which one we connect more with when we think of church. Is it like the experience of the supermarket where we come and we see some vaguely familiar people and we say, hi, bye, and see you next week? Or is it family where we love one another and we go, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the household of God. Because I think the mentality will change not only our experience, but it will change who we are as people. I realise that the terminology of family comes with its own complexity. It conjures up all sorts of emotions within a community like this with all sorts of different backgrounds represented. Because our view of family is very much shaped by our experience of family. And so if I was to get you to shut your eyes this morning and think about your family upbringing and what it was like, I'm sure all sorts of pictures would come to your mind. And for some of them, for some of you, straight away you'd go, that was positive. I love the idea of family. And for others, it would be like closing your eyes to a nightmare. And you'd be thinking, oh, the idea of family is not really what I want to think about when I think about church because our view of family is shaped by our experience of family and so some of us in this room have had a wonderful experience on one of those with my family upbringing and I think of it and the filter I think of family through is a filter of you know love and support it's a place where I was cared for it was a place of relationship not perfect but but beautiful in its own way but for some of you here or some of you watching online today it's a very different feeling when it comes to family when you think of family maybe when you shut your eyes and imagine what it was like all you see is breakdown and hurt maybe loneliness or even abuse and I gotta say we wrestled with that with the reimagination team and we wondered whether using the language of family is actually a help or a hindrance when it describes who we're meant to be as the people of God But at the end of the day, we come back to the Scripture and we see it's the language that Scripture uses. And so we're not going to let the devil steal, kill and destroy. We're not going to let him rob us of what Christ has designed us for. And so we're going to allow him to redeem what family's all about, to give us a new filter and a new lens to imagine family through. And I think it's really important that we do that. So I want to say to you today, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, something that's really important for you to hear. Whatever you've experienced in your biological family, God wants you to know this morning that in Him, He has created a place for you to belong. It's a beautiful thing. Sharon's excited about it. I'm excited about it. You guys are as well on the inside. And it's awesome. Family is a beautiful thing. Whether you're male or female. Whether you're young or not so young. I was going to say old, but I just adjusted mid-sentence. Whether you wear tatty clothes or designer labels, whether you've had a tough upbringing or a steady home, whether you vote Labor, Liberal, Greens, or any other party, whether you have a million friends or you're the loneliest person on the planet, whether you're loud or quiet, introverted or extroverted, whether you're African, Australian, Asian, American, or any other nationality, whether you're barrack for St Kilda like a holy person, or you can even barrack for Essen and the demons and find forgiveness and deliverance. <laughs> Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, no matter where you've come from, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, He has saved you to be placed within a spiritual family. It's a beautiful thing. I love what Psalm 68 says. It says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely In families. So whatever experience of family we've had, Jesus wants to redeem that as we build a community of people centered around him. And I know what you're probably thinking this morning. You're probably thinking, that sounds so wonderful, Luke. I want to be part of a family like that. Or maybe you're thinking, Luke, yeah, it sounds great, but it's a bit idealistic. I'm not sure if we could ever be a family like that. Or maybe you're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. And that is this. That if Jesus has gone to the effort to die on a cross to make us family, why is it that our experience of church so often falls short of what we'd hoped for? Let's just be honest about it. Why does it fall short? Well, because I'm here and because you're here. None of us are perfect. That's probably a good start. But why does it fall short of what we would hope and imagine family would be? Well, today's passage in Romans speaks powerfully into what a spiritual family is. And I think it highlights a couple of things we need to understand and invest into if we're going to experience christ a family. And the first thing is this, that we need to embrace and lean into the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's look at verse 14. It says, For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Beautiful picture that is. Author Laura McKnight has recently co-authored a book with her dad, theologian Scott McKnight. And the book is called Tov, which is the Hebrew word for goodness, and the book is all about forming a culture of goodness within the family of God, responding to some of the abuse that we've seen in churches around the world. And this is what she says. If we're going to foster a culture of goodness, she said we need to treat people as siblings. The most common word in the New Testament for Christian believers, by far, is not church, it's siblings or brothers and sisters she goes on to say that siblings care about one another siblings look out for one another siblings protect one another siblings believe one another siblings trust one another siblings see the good and bad and love each other anyway now i grew up with two younger brothers who here grew up with brothers or sisters in your family keep your hand up if you love them Keep your hand up if you always like them. There's no hands. I see that hand. Excellent. You always like them. Great. Well, you're very blessed. You've got a, a great family. The rest of us are just surrounded by scumbags and dirtbags and all that stuff. They have their moments. They have their moments. See, so you don't... Okay. You are like a saint. Uh, the rest of us have got a lot of work to do Christ is still working in our lives um, but that's wonderful if you've got a family like that and we should uh, love our, our family but the, the truth is that most of us at times don't like our family because we get on each other's nerves and really that's the thing about brothers and sisters isn't it we, we kind of get lumped together without a choice you know you can choose your friends but you can't choose your family right? And so we get lumped together and then we go through this process of learning to live together and to love one another and that's a lifelong journey and I remember in our childhood, some wonderful moments with my brothers. Went through some of the greatest things of life together. I remember having moments that were really special. I remember one really uh, important moment that came to mind. It was a little bit weird that it came to mind this week. But I remember being there for my middle brother's first kiss. It's kind of weird, you know, we went behind a laneway a milk bar around the road from us and there's like 10 of us from what I can remember, which sounds kind of creepy and weird now that I say it. But we went around for this, a great event where Mark and his girlfriend Sarah Lally would have their first kiss and we thought we'd just walk around there, a little bit of tongue maybe, I don't know, young people don't listen, just a little peck on the cheek. And it would just be done, over and done with, then we'd walk back around and celebrate a milestone together. The truth is they stood looking at each other awkwardly for about 45 minutes. And they were getting a lot of teasing and a lot of coaxing and a lot of, come on, just do it already. Like, just kiss. And then they finally kissed. And it was weird that we were there, but it was a milestone that we shared together, right? And I promised my brother that day that I would never, ever tell my parents about that moment. And I kept that promise until this morning, when my parents are now fully aware. And this is being broadcast on YouTube, so everybody now knows about that moment but these are shared experiences right they're milestones in life and I remember many other great moments with my brothers um, that didn't involve kissing I remember cheering at the footy I remember yelling at the umpires I remember crying after the grand final in 1997 and 2009 and 2010 and again in 2010 I remember doing all that together um, I don't remember premiership I've forgotten that because it's never happened um, I remember jumping up and down at music concerts at our favorite band, listening to to different songs and kind of celebrating those moments together. I remember being there when they graduated from school. I was in their wedding party at both of their weddings, and these are the special moments that you share with your brothers and sisters. I also remember fights, fist fights, arguments, tension, and teasing. I remember driving to Queensland in the car with three brothers in the back seat and I remember mum he's teasing me mum he touched me and I remember mum saying right we're gonna pull over and you're gonna get out and we're gonna leave you here all that sort of stuff We're all the joyful times in family and we all know because we've all been there right (laughs) you're probably picking up that the mum was the disciplinarian in our family and dad was uh, a little bit softer Some things never change, right? Even a pandemic won't change that one. This is what we share as brothers and sisters and, you know, even as adults now, we think very differently, my brothers and I. We think differently about faith and about politics. We have a different sense of fashion and clearly I'm the the ultimate one and then they're a little bit, you know, down the scale. We we have different food we like and we talk about all those things at different times and we listen to one another. And we learn from one another and we respect one another and we agree to disagree at times. But after decades of good and bad, ups and downs, after all of that, we still love one another because they're my brothers. What hasn't changed is that I still love them and I'm pretty sure last time I checked, they still love me. And we still journey together because we're united by blood and that's powerful. We're related through blood. Well, let me tell you, when it comes to our spiritual family, we're also united by blood in an even more powerful way. Not by biological blood, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ who died at Calvary for us so that we can be saved and adopted into family. That's a powerful thing. I think a danger of a message like this is that we can all sit back and think, well, that's great. Follow wants to grow and go deeper as a family, so... I'll just sit back and see what they got in store. I'm sure, Luke and the leaders got some stuff sorted out, and uh, we'll just wait for that, and uh, we'll just critique it, and I'll tell you in six months whether it's good or not good. <laughs> I think one thing that's been revealed in the church worldwide in the last 12 months has been a bigger shaking in the church than ever before. It's going to be interesting to see what's left when the shaking's finished. I think one thing that's been revealed is this. There's far too much consumerism in the Christian church today. Too many people who come for what's in this for me and it's got to happen according to my timeline, when I want it, how I want it. If, if not, I'm out of here. Let me tell you, that's not family. It's not family. We need to grow in our understanding of what family is. Family of God is not characterized by consuming. It's characterized by contribution. It's not built on selfishness. It's marked by sacrificial service. And the key ingredient that holds it all together is love. So let's not sit back and wait for church to become family. Let's be family. Because culture develops when led by the Spirit, every person takes responsibility to live as a family. And so be the family you want to experience. I'm going to invite up into the platform a couple of really special people. Their names are Jess and Jack. So let's welcome them up this morning. And as they're coming up, I want you just to think for a moment, and I want you to ask yourself the question, when you look around a room like this, to all the people here, I want to ask you the question, a bit like I said before, what do you see? Because I have a sense that the reason we sometimes don't experience the type of family scripture points to and that we all long for is because we see or relate to one another like they're people from my church rather than brothers and sisters in Christ and so today I've got Jack and Jess up here and they're both very precious to me and you might look at Jack and Jess and you think well what have they got in common Uh, Jack is 83 years old he looks about 45 but he's 83 years old and I've known Jack for a number of years um, through his community involvement. He was a citizen of the year in 2014 and he's done so much stuff in our local community for many years and I love going out with him because it's kind of like going out with a celebrity. We go and have a coffee and we sit down. I'm just this nobody in the community but everyone knows Jack. Like Everyone's hi Jack how are you? And Jack's like, have you met Luke? And so I'm getting to know all these people because I hang out with Jack and uh, he's a wonderful wonderful guy. Um, Jess is different. I don't know her age because I don't ask female their ages. So that's rude. Um, but she's a young adult and uh, she's in our local community as well and you'll notice she's always smiling and she's very friendly and she's a wonderful person and so the thing they have in common is this that 12 months ago neither of these people were part of the family of God you know last year when nothing happened the church shut down and God went on holiday for a year well it turns out he wasn't on holiday for a year and in the last 12 months I had the privilege of praying with both Jess and Jack as they came to know the Lord and start that journey with Him. And for me, you know what? I think about planning a church. Do you know what we planted a church for? For Jess and for Jack. And we can look. And I can honestly say that I love these two. And, and we can look at Jack and we can look at Jess and say, oh, Jack's that nice older guy who's always smiling and very welcoming and he's a new guy at church. And we can look at Jess and say, oh, she's the new young adult girl. And that's the way we could, we could view each other. But the more biblical way to see it is that Jack and Jess are a brother and sister in Christ. And they've been adopted into this family. And so I've got them up here this morning not to embarrass them. Although I probably have. I'm sorry. Please forgive me family of God is built on forgiveness and grace. So you'll learn that pretty quick. <laughs> if we haven't offended you yet. Just give it a couple more weeks. Uh, we're good at it. Um, but they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've got them up here today because I want them to feel the warm, loving embrace of Jesus through us. And I want us to get to know Jess and Jack. And so after the service, I want to see them embraced and loved, maybe one at a time. You know, we don't want 100 people lining up. It's a bit overwhelming. But you know what I mean? Anybody that's new in this place, anybody you haven't seen for a while, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And until we start seeing it that way, we'll never experience family of God the way we're meant to experience it. And so I just want to say thank you for uh, Jack and Jess for coming up the front, being brave enough. But also I'm so grateful to God that you're part of our family. We love you and we're looking forward to being with you on this journey and getting to know you more and more as we go along. So thanks a lot, mate. Appreciate it. you, Jess. But make sure you say hello to them after the service. God is so good, isn't He? Always at work, always doing something new. And so, how can you encourage your brothers and sisters this week? It's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Family extends beyond the weekend service, it's about doing life together. Who could you connect with? Who could you have over for lunch today, next week, the week after? Who are you praying for this week? Have you heard of someone connecting with a pre-Christian friend? Are you standing with them in prayer and believing with them that that friend or family member will come to know the Lord? Do you know someone who's gone through a hard time? Reach out to them this week. If you've seen someone post something on the discipleship page, get on there and encourage them. Champion them on because this is what we do. We build one another up as brothers and sisters in Christ. If we're going to experience family, we need to stop seeing ourselves as a crowd of people and we need to start embracing the reality that we are family. And so first of all, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But I want to finish by saying that we also have the same loving Father. Now I think it's true that family units often rise or fall on the parents. If you have loving, caring, committed parents, they will often cultivate a culture of goodness within that family and there will be stability. Um, they'll pass on their character and their morals and their values from the parents to the children. Not always. Kids have got their own choices to make, of course, but generally speaking. On the flip side, if you have parents who are cruel, or neglectful, or angry, or unforgiving, or even abusive, then the end result is likely to be dysfunction and brokenness. And so the parents in a family are critical, and in a community such as this, collectively, we will experience all of those different types of family within this room. But it's in those hard times that parents are so important, because even in the healthiest family, we all know that they don't always go well, do they? Crisis is always just around the corner. Even the healthiest family on earth will have times of heartbreak, unforeseen circumstances that arise. And in those times, parents are the ones who protect, guide, and care for children through those seasons. And I want to say this morning, it's the same in our spiritual family. Things don't always turn out exactly as we would like. And in this passage, in verse 17, Romans says that it says that we're heirs of God, that we're led by the Spirit to be children of God. But we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. That's good news, right? Let's tick that and rejoice. We're heirs of the glory of God. That's wonderful. But let's read on. There's a big but there, right? But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Suffering is a reality of life, whether you're a Christian or not. In fact, the reality is this, that sometimes as Christians, there's even more suffering than if you're not a Christian. And I think it's even getting more difficult as life goes on in that regard. Suffering will be part of our reality, no matter whether we're a Christian or not. And in times of suffering, we need parents to help us through. And so what sort of parent do we have in this spiritual family? Well, together, what we have in common is not only that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but that we have the same loving father. Look at verse 14. It says, For we are all led by the Spirit of God, and so we are children of God. So you've not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You know, When we think of God, it's easy to think of Him as the big guy in the sky. Who, depending on whether we've been good that day or bad that day, he'll shower blessings down on us or he'll smite us. Right? That's how people think of God, isn't it? Is this impersonal, aloof God floating around somewhere up there just ready to pounce on us when we do something wrong? I think even for us as Christians, it's easy to imagine God as a big and strong and mighty. We look at creation, we go, wow, he's incredible. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's ever-present. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And it's easy to picture God like that. And he's all of those things. But you know, Scripture also describes him as the one who gives birth to us describes him as like a mother hen who brings her chicks under her wing for warmth and protection. And so the same God who is powerful and mighty is also gentle and kind. He's compassionate and full of unfailing love. He brings healing and wholeness to every part of our lives. And so everything we could ever need in a loving parent, is found in the person of God. And so if you've had a great bunch of parents in your earthly life, then rejoice and rejoice. You also have a loving heavenly parent, heavenly God, heavenly Father. But if you've had no parents at all, as part of the people of God, we have something in common, and that is that we have the same loving Father. He's our Abba Father. Abba in the Greek is a term of intimacy and respect. The modern equivalent in English could be something like daddy father. Someone we love. Someone who we can sit on their knees. Someone who's going to care for us when we fall over. But someone worthy of respect. That's our God. He's a God to be respected and feared, but He's a God to be loved and enjoy a relationship with. That's what our loving Father is like. And it's this intimate loving Father who has adopted us into this family. And I've got to say, I love the word adoption because it denotes a choice. It's a deliberate action to bring someone outside of a family into a new family situation. And I want to say this morning, whether you're here or online, That God has chosen you in Christ. If you have put your faith in Jesus, it's because God has chosen you to be adopted into his family. With all of your good and bad, with all of your success and failure, you're not chosen by any of that, but simply by the love and grace of a loving father who says, you are mine. It's a beautiful thing, right? To know that we have the same loving father. And I've got to say, I think it's really important right now in our lives. Because it has been a time of crisis and it's been difficult for everyone. The last 12 months, there's been so much heartbreak and pain. Some of you have lost loved ones. Others have lost jobs. Some have struggled with loneliness and isolation, mental health, depression, And we want to acknowledge that as a church. We never want to be one of those churches where we just come and sing praises and pretend everything's okay. How are you going? Good. My marriage is falling apart. My life sucks. But I'm good. I'm smiling. I'm here. Go home. Fake it till we make it. Come back next week. Do the same thing. We never want to be that church. We want to be an open, transparent, honest group of people because that's what a family's like. A healthy, dynamic family is that sort of people. So let's be honest and just call it for what it is. It's been a difficult 12 months. And as we gather together again, we re regather today at Follow, we'll even notice that there's some who are journeying with us that are no longer journeying with us, perhaps because of theological differences or perhaps because of new habits. And let's just acknowledge that's hard. It's really difficult. And in this season, it's been a, grief, a season of grief for many of us. Many of you are struggling with some of the realities I've just mentioned. I just want to say today, that's okay. It's okay to struggle at times. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Lament is part of the journey and there's so much to grieve over the last 12 months. For many, myself included, 2020 was the most difficult year of our lives. You've felt it. I've felt it. It's been a tough time. But there does come a time where we need to lift our eyes above our circumstances towards Jesus And move forward together as a family. And the only way we can do that is to love one another as brothers and sisters and to draw on the strength of a loving Heavenly Father who will guide us through. This year I'm praying that we will go deeper as a family. And as we do, The character of God will flow directly from him to us as his family and the fruit will be a united group of people who reflect God's heart to this world and that the world will know, as has been mentioned today, that we are his disciples by the way we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, connected to the Heavenly Father we have through the person of Jesus. And as we reflect that to the world, the people will look at us and as Paul said before, we'll smell different, we'll look different and people will go, well, there's something radically attractive about a family a community like that. So I'm praying this year we'll go deeper as family. And the truth is that every one of us has a role to play. And so I pray that God would renew our minds, change our understanding from church to family and from people at church to brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at followbaptistchurch.